just worship you, God. You can go ahead and, if you want to be seated, you can you can sit down. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Man, well, the, the Holy Spirit is really moving uh, this year so far. I really feel like just there's been a new depth that's been added to our, our gatherings. There's, you know, and we, if you're a guest with us, welcome. We like to get, we like to worship God for a long time, and uh, that's what happens uh, when when you when you get a taste of Him, you just you just want to you want to be with Him more. And uh, you know if if you're not there yet, we're like, man, I got, I got bored. <laughs> it's okay. Be open to not being bored, though. Be open to getting there, because. You should you should get there. You should get there where it, you can be in God's presence, and it doesn't matter. You're not worried about oh, what am I doing this or that or when or what's happening on a Tuesday and and all the stuff that tries to distract us from Him because all it is is just a distraction to get to break up our communion with Him, to break up our connection with Him. All the other stuff is because that's. If we can have communion with Him, then all the good stuff's released. All the good stuff's released in communion with Him. I mean, that's why Jesus had all the good stuff all around Him. It says He was always in communication. He was always in connection with His Father. Man, when Jesus came and introduced, we just sang that song that's from the Lord's Prayer, you know. I kind of sing out part of my voice, so <clears throat> we'll see how long I preach. You're like, hopefully not very long, but, um, <laughs> but you know, Jesus, you know, everybody showed up and they're, they're like, Hey, Jesus, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Why do you think they wanted to learn to pray? Cause they heard him pray. They're like, well, that's way different than everybody else we've heard. That's way different. It sounds like you're talking to somebody you know, not pleading with some being far off to do something for you. You know you're really praying when you're no longer, when God's no longer far off, but He's close and you're talking with Him like He's your Father. Because that's what Jesus said. Let me teach you how to pray. Our Father. Now that would have been totally revolutionary to them. If you've been churched at all, if you grew up in any kind of church or especially maybe even the Catholic church, whatever, you know, you've, you've heard the Lord's Prayer. I mean, people that don't know God may even know what the Lord's Prayer is. And so it doesn't sound as revolutionary to us as it did in that time. But in that time, for them to say, you're gonna, when you first come to the Lord, when you first come to God, here's how you're going to address Him as Father. And that's one of the keys to prayer. If you come to him as a God that's far off, it's like, you know, there's a question like, eh, you know, you know, he's out there and maybe I can get close to him. Maybe I can know him. Maybe I can, you know, maybe he'll hear me when I'm talking. But if he's a, if he's a good father, he's not just a father, he's a good father. I was trying to get to that song in my head, but I couldn't do it. So it's in different time, timing. But, uh, you know, it says in that song, he's perfect in all of his ways. 
And we have to get to know, we have to get to know Father God, Daddy God, get to know your dad, however you want to call him, uh, whatever language means closeness to you. For some, you need to use a different term, Papa, like my dad uses Papa. I don't like it. <laughs> just so you know, just want to let you know, I want to get that off my chest. I don't like it. <laughs> I'm not using that one. <laughs> So don't use it. If it if you know if it doesn't connect with you, like to me that doesn't that doesn't mean it to me. You know I I you know I call I I still call my dad daddy. You know Papa doesn't mean anything to me, but Daddy does. If you want to know a term that means something to me when I talk about my daddy. So whatever for you is the way you connect with God. It's not the terminology, it's who you're connecting with. You can use whatever term you need to, to stay connected. All right. We're going to do this. Luke, if you want to open your Bible to Luke chapter 9. You know, as we've been reading through, uh, many of you have been reading through with us through the Gospels. It's been very exciting, just as everybody, several people have mentioned it here, uh, I believe, up front. So uh, it's still not too late to jump in uh, and read the Gospels. There's one of those reading plans back there, or it's Harmony of the Gospels on the Version app of the Bible. Um, you can jump in. It's on whatever day you want to jump in on, day one, or what? what is this, day 19? Something like that. Is this the 19th? And so, you know, there's so much about Jesus. And so this morning I really only have, uh, it, it starts with one thought. Um, and it has a few few facets to it. So Luke 9 and verse uh, 57 is where we're going to start. And as they were walking along the road, this is, Jesus, He's, we're picking up in the middle of Jesus' life. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And he said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. We'll stop there. And so you can be like, this is one of those encounters where Jesus can can sound kind of rough. You're like, man, we just transitioned from the good father, and then, you know, his son, though, is kind of, kind of mean. <laughs> no, no, he's not being mean. But we have, we have to see what's, what's going on here, it, you know, is, is not that Jesus doesn't care about these people or their families. That, that's not what's happening here. It's, it's, it's that Jesus does care about these people and their families. 
And you're like, well, how's that the case? Uh, all these people that want to come follow Jesus, it seems like he's saying, nope. What Jesus is saying, here's what it's going to cost you to follow me. Not that it's going to cost you your family, but you're going to have to lay your family on the altar and put me above them. See, Jesus will always address you at the point of something that you are more dependent upon than him. In Mark 10, if you want to turn there really quickly, Mark 10 and verse 17, we have the same thing happening. I'll go back to Luke. Mark ten seventeen says this. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Uh, verse 18. Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not... Commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. I like that one. Um, Teacher, you declared, all these I've kept since I was a boy. And then look at this. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. And then he gives him some love. Watch this. Here's Jesus' love. Jesus loves me, this I know. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had great wealth. What is Jesus doing there again? He's addressing him on what he is dependent upon more than God. And Jesus said, hey, if you're really going to follow me, if you're really going to follow me, I've got to be number one. Now, if Jesus is just a man and he's not really God in the flesh as the son of God, then this guy is bananas. This guy is, has flipped, flipped a brain cell. Because no human being is worth more than every other human being. No one is more important than anybody else. But if he is God in the flesh, then he's worth everything above anyone else or anything else in this world. And so Jesus is calling them, here's how you follow me. Because all these guys, if you go back to Luke, they came, they came with a, a question, hey, I want to follow you. And the first guy, and to the first guy, Jesus says basically this, I'm, I'm just, it's going to be really hard. I'm just wandering around, sleeping on the ground, and I don't have much, and people are coming against me basically, and I'm, I'm all by myself sometimes, and so it's going to cost. The cost of following me is hardship. Are, are you willing to go through hardship to follow me? And the, and the implication here is that that guy left. I mean, all the implication here is all these guys unfortunately said, oh, okay, that's what it means to follow you. 
We've kind of flipped it around in the church now, right? We try to make it as easy as possible. Okay, just come to Jesus. If you just pray this prayer, and then everything's going to be amazing for you. Your, your life will be wonderful. You'll float away on a cloud, and and everything, you'll get lots of money, and God will do everything amazing for you, and then you, you'll never frown again. And maybe not that extreme, but sometimes we've kind of gone so far on the blessings that we go, hey, wait a second, Jesus said, you know, you're going you're gonna to have trouble. One of the promises of God is this, in this world you will have trouble. There is a second part, but take heart, I've overcome the world. <laughs> so in the midst of your trouble, you're going to have overcome, but you're still going to have to go through trouble. And so Jesus was saying to this guy, following me, is, you're going to have some hardship. And so the second guy comes and says, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus says, hey, let the dead bury their own dead. And you go, man, Jesus wouldn't even let this guy go to his funeral, right? I mean, he just kind of said, can't, can't Jesus just have some compassion? Like, hey, this is a rough week, man. Can you just, I'll be right back. You know, you know, it's at 2 p.m. Then we got lunch, okay, and... You know, I gotta sit, you know, everybody's gonna hug me and tell me it's gonna be okay, and then I'll come back. And that's really, not really, that's not what really was happening here. His dad most likely had not just died. There's two options actually that it probably was. Number one was this, is that he wanted to say basically, no, my dad's still alive, and I'm gonna take care of him until he dies, and then I'll come follow you. Or there's some that say also that after the father dies, that the Jewish son would kind of run the household and take care of things for a year or two and kind of be in charge and just had to do his responsibility in the home. One way or another, whichever one it was, whichever study book you read will tell you much of different stuff. The point of it was this. There wasn't, Jesus wasn't saying, hey, you can't go be with your family for a funeral and then come follow me. This guy was saying, hey, I'll do that in a matter of time. Down the road. Down the road. Have you ever told God that? Yeah, you know, someday I'm really going to get serious. Someday I'm going to get really serious and follow you. But Jesus is always calling you in that moment. No, right now is the time. Right now is the time. I am more important than your father. It wasn't that Jesus hated his father. He's just saying, look, I'm more important than him. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You've got to get the first part to get to the second. You can't start with the second and say all the things added unto you without the first part, which is first the king and the kingdom. And so for this guy, it was the cost of lordship. Who was going to be the Lord of his life? Was his family the most important to him? Was everything, was his whole life centered around his family? I mean, if Jesus is second to family, family's great. Jesus has no problem with family. And I'm not saying like people have got off track with these scriptures too, where you've got these, these people who became dads and they became ministers and then they're like, hey, I'm serving Jesus. I don't have time for you people. You know, I'm going to follow. That's not what Jesus is saying either. He's saying there's a priority of our hearts where he has to be first. When you put him first, then everything else will line up. It's a cost of lordship. And number three, the guy comes to him and says, I'll follow you wherever you go. But first, let me go back and say goodbye uh, to my family. You know, there's a sacrifice in following Jesus. 
It's the cost of sacrifice. There are sacrifices to be made. You will, there, were th- there will be things that you have to let go of in order to follow Jesus. I guarantee you it's going to be worth it. Why? Because you'll be with Jesus. But you're going to have to lay him down. And Jesus will always come to that thing. Have you always noticed Jesus doesn't, when you get with God, does he mess around? Man, he doesn't mess around. You're like, hey, God, I'll, I'll do you. You know this far off issue that's kind of out here, God, let's, let's take care of that. And usually the Lord just, he doesn't mess around with that. He says, hey, let's go to this one. You're like, no, God, I was thinking we'd take care of that one like in a couple years. Not quite ready yet, God. Not ready to deal with that thing. And God always, he just kind of brings it. I mean, that's what Jesus was doing. He's like, we're going to deal with this right now. Let's deal with this now. So when you follow me, you, you know, we don't have this long wandering road of following me. Let's take the straight and narrow path and just walk with me. Because there's always a temptation when you're following Jesus to turn back. Remember that old song? Some of you don't, and that's okay, because it's old. And we don't sing it anymore. But it says this, I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. What does that second verse say or third verse? Though none go with me, still I will fall. Wait a second. Hold on. Did we just say that? <laughs> That's why we don't sing it anymore. We, we secretly don't like it. <laughs> I mean, how many, how many of you want none to go with you and you follow God on your own? Who signs up for that? We've got a sign-up sheet in the back. None are going to go with you, but you're going to follow it. You're going to do it. No, we want somebody to go with us. We, wanted, we want everybody to go, yeah, you're awesome. You're amazing. And God say, no, I'm going to tell you you're awesome. You're amazing, but you better go. If affirmation from people is your idol, then Jesus is going to address affirmation from people. Said, hey, that's that's your God. That's what you. That's your source in your life. I'm, I'm meddling a little bit now, so we'll take a. So let's let's close with this. John twenty one. John chapter twenty one. I preached here. I've definitely referenced this passage a lot, just because it's so powerful. John twenty one and verse fifteen. This is after Jesus is risen from the dead. And he's coming back to his disciples. And the disciples have decided to kind of, they've kind of gone back. They've kind of gone back to their old life. They basically just said, Jesus, and, uh, okay, he died, and um, I guess that's it. And so Peter says, I'm going fishing. <laughs> Nothing wrong with fishing. <laughs> Want to clear that up. The point was, is he was, he was going back. That was his old life. Just be, I'm just, I guess I'll just go back to what I knew before Jesus. And Jesus shows up on the shore and he greets them the same way that he greets Peter the first time. Hey, throw your net on the other side. Or first he says, hey, have you got any fish? And both times Peter's like, nope. <laughs> I don't know, whenever Jesus is around, Peter's a horrible fisherman, okay? <laughs> I don't know what the reason, uh, you know, I don't know. So you got any fish? No, he fished all night, basically haven't caught anything. And he says, hey, throw your net on the other side. 
They're like, oh, rolling their eyes probably. I mean, the first time they're like, got on the shore, doesn't know anything about fishing. He's telling us to throw the net out again. But they go, okay, we'll do it. This time it's probably in the back of their head they're like, because it says they don't recognize Jesus yet. They can't, they can't tell it's him or, that, you know, they can't, they don't recognize him maybe in his resurrected body. There's a lot of people who didn't recognize Jesus. So there's something about his body that was, you know, there's a spiritual issue going on there where they could quite see sometimes what was going on, who he was. And they're like, man, that sounds familiar. <laughs> you got to think that Peter or John or one of those guys is like, this this feels from deja vu, you know. Woo. No, it's not deja vu. It's just Jesus coming again and addressing them, even though they've gone back to what they were. He says, okay, throw your net on the other side. It says immediately that their net was filled. Immediately the net was filled, and it was overflowing. And it says that Peter didn't even care about the fish anymore. He jumped out and said, it's the Lord. It's Jesus. And he jumps out. It says he just strips his, his outer garment off or whatever. And he starts just running, swimming through the water to get to the shore. Leaves the rest of the disciples to pull in the haul of fish. What is it? Does it say how many? 153 fish in one shot. There have been, there Jesus, yeah, when, when, you, when you do what Jesus says, all the fish come in, Tommy. <laughs> he can put 153 on one line if he wants to. One net, whatever. And it says, isn't it interesting? It says, they got to the shore and Jesus said, come have breakfast. And it says, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? When they still didn't physically, in their physical senses, recognize him. It says they knew it was the Lord, but obviously it's like, man, you look different. You look glorified and you're different looking. And so then Jesus has this encounter with Peter in verse 15. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Kind of back to where we started the service. Is it just about getting stuff from me or do you love me more? Do you just want me to do something for you or do you want me? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, well, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And, you know, it says Peter was hurt there. I think, again, it's because Jesus was addressing the issue in Peter's heart in that moment. Because we all know that it wasn't an accident that Jesus said three times, do you love me? Because Peter, if you weren't aware, denied Jesus three times so famously that we read about it and talk about it 2,000 years later. I mean, how would you like it if your failure was written down in a book and people preach from it Sundays for hundreds and thousands of years? (laughs) I mean, I just had that thought just now. It's like... (laughs) Man, <laughs> man, who wants that? Your sin will be written down for centuries. <laughs> and so I think Jesus, Peter was hurt, not just because Jesus asked him three times, but because it addressed the issue in his heart. The issue in Peter's heart was this. 
I believe. I can do it without you. But he'd failed. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Verse 19, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Follow me. You know, no matter what situation you're in, Jesus kind of closes the conversation with those words. We can have the, the complaining session. We can have the interaction. And God, I don't, God has no problem with complaining. He has no problem with it as long as you're complaining in his presence knowing that he loves you. If it's a, if it's a part of your relationship with him. In other words, there's an interaction with the, with the father, with your older brother Jesus, with, with the spirit of God. And, you know, but in the end of it all, Jesus just says this. Follow me. So then Peter, just one more time, one more time. We'll close with this. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's John, uh, the guy who wrote this book. That's, how, that's, who he, that's what he called himself. The disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. And this was the one who leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who's going to betray you? And we are, when Peter saw him, he asked, hey, Lord, what about him? <laughs> You do that sometimes in your prayer times. You just say, hey, what if you just think of someone else? Hey, what about them? <laughs> and Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? And Jesus, what, did, what did Jesus say again? You must follow me. You must follow me. You do that. I'll take care of this guy. And it says there was a rumor that spread that this guy would not be killed, but Jesus you know, basically never said that. That's where that came from. Uh, it just said that Jesus said, if I want to, I can keep him alive forever. I can do whatever I want with that other person. We're not, don't worry about them. I'm asking you. I'm asking you. I'm asking you. You follow me. Yay, Don and Gina are following you. No, you. <laughs> I want you to follow me. All the pastors are following you. All the spiritual people, quote unquote, are following you. Great. How about you? You follow me. What am I telling you to do? Are you willing to give up everything to follow me? Are you willing to go through hardship? Are you willing to, for it to cost you? And Jesus says the same thing. Follow me. So I don't know, we talked about journey last week, so this kind of applies to that, that if you're on the journey, wherever you are on your journey right now, Jesus is saying this, will you follow me? Will you go where I want you to go? Will you lay down what you want for what I want? Let's stand. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you that we've had lots of interactions with you and lots of different encouragements, lots of different ways to encounter you. And so, Lord, whether we're in the valley of the shadow of death 
or we're on the mountaintop and you're shining bright in front of us being transfigured and we are seeing amazing things and revelation is flowing, uh, Lord, we choose to follow you. Father, if there's anyone in here right now who's never given their heart to Jesus, said, Jesus, be my Lord, be my master, be, be in charge of my life, be my savior. I pray that they would do that right now. If that's you right now, just tell Jesus, I will follow you. Just tell him, I, you're my God. You're my Lord. I am not in charge anymore. I relinquish. I lay down my right to be in charge of my life. And I submit it to you. I surrender my life to you. I trust you to forgive me of my past. And I lay down what is most important to me to follow you, trusting that you can take care of it better than me. Because that's really what you want, Lord, is you just want us to trust you and to follow you. And then these things will be added unto you. Help us not start with the addition before we start with the equation, the answer. It's you. And so we thank you for that today. In Jesus' name, amen.